Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. We've been contrasting the Buddhist self, the one we want to get rid of, with the modern self, the one we want to discover, develop, and express. Key to this distinction is this individualism thing, which is famously prominent in America. I want to talk about what it is and why it is misguided. In this, I want to introduce a new perspective aside from the Buddhist and the historical cultural. I want to look at individualism from the perspective of modern cognitive science in simple terms. To do this, I'll have to change my personal role for a bit from monk to my one-time profession. I intend to demonstrate that individualism and the authentic self are incoherent in terms of human cognition. Later, I'll show that Buddhist thought is quite consistent with it. Individualism is an attitude and a viewpoint. It's an ism based on the strict dichotomy between the individual and society that prioritizes the individual over society, often deprecating society as inimical to individual thriving or purity. This goes hand in hand with the modern idea of the authentic self as the site of spirituality, rationality, and creativity and whatever values are currently fashionable in our neoliberal culture, probably greed. Society becomes what oppresses these qualities and coerces the individual to act against his will. Rather than starting with the presumption of individual and society as opposing forces, let's look at individual cognition and social cognition and how they are largely bound to each other. I'm referring to a number of recent developments in social and evolutionary psychology, and naturally there is ongoing debate over many of these points, as there always is in science. Michael Tomasello's A Natural History of Human Thinking is a main source for the framework I'll describe here. Individual cognition is something individuals do. We perceive, infer, ponder, decide, find meaning in, comprehend, anticipate, plan, invent, create, and so on. Our emotional responses and drives are thoroughly mixed up with the rest of it. Individual cognition is something each of us can do in seclusion from others. And we are, to some extent, subjectively conscious of our own individual cognition and its results. Much of it is unconscious. Social cognition is similar, but it is a cooperative effort requiring the coordinated effort of multiple individuals, often producing results 
that a single individual is incapable of. The coordinated effort of a football team requires social cognition for strategic decisions or the production of a movie. Intellectual achievements like science and technology development are themselves huge cooperative endeavors in which the contributions of innumerable individuals accumulate, sometimes over centuries, to result in major breakthroughs and insights. In social cognition, individual cognitive efforts are integrated into larger results. The central point to be made is that humans are fundamentally, but not always, social cooperative creatures. We are designed by evolution to be that way. Most of individual cognition serves and is served by social cognition. Virtually all of the higher cognitive functions, science, art, literature, spiritual practice, language itself, are fundamentally matters of cooperative social behavior and only marginally driven by the desire for individual gain. Virtually everything that we individually find deeply meaningful in life is a product of social cognition. It is not found within. This picture of human cognition might seem like hyperbole, so let's get a perspective on this by contrasting humans in this regard with the other great apes, gorillas, chimps, bonobos, etc., for whom these claims do not hold. Apes are consummate individualists. Humans can be very ape-like in their individual cognition and not that exceptional in their capabilities at this level. But apes are incapable of anything remotely resembling the depth of human social cognition or cooperative behavior. Apes, along with humans, are amazingly intelligent creatures, able to solve complex problems, use and even manufacture simple tools, in the case of bonobos and humans, to save tools for later use. Apes solve complex problems in reasoning that reflect the application of formal rules of logic and an understanding of principles of cause and effect. They are able to simulate and reason about future contingencies offline. What would happen if there were a tiger behind that bush? Before actually acting, much like chess players seeing several moves ahead, apes know what they know and what they don't know and will seek to investigate and discover new information accordingly just in case it might be useful for them in the future. Apes also think socially and even politically. They are able to take the perspective of other apes, for instance, to imagine their goals, plans, and mental states, and what objects are visible from where the other apes are sitting. They are able to learn new behaviors and techniques from watching other apes. Chimps generally belong to communities of 20 to 150 individuals, 
but often spin off into smaller groups or travel alone. Males are organized into a dominance hierarchy. Females are generally submissive to males, which is maintained by performance of physical aggression and the formations of alliances and conspiracies in which, for instance, a dominant male might be removed by an aggressive mob of other males, and occasionally of females. More dominant males receive more opportunities for mating, and so all males endeavor to move up the dominance hierarchy through overt aggression and covert conspiracy. It's all very political and Machiavellian. Apes also engage in mutually altruistic behavior. For instance, I'll pick out your lice if you will pick out mine. But they are fundamentally competitive and cooperate only when it is in their own interests. For instance, they'll join a coalition in order to trap a monkey, taking into account the behavior and perspectives of other members of the coalition, but their individual interest is generally limited to obtaining the monkey for their own consumption. Chimps' individual competitive behavior for material gains and social position is very familiar to us humans. We do the same thing, particularly in an individualistic market economy. If apes were capable of understanding monetary exchange, which they are not for reasons we'll get to, put them in a suit and they might be very successful in today's modern economy, where the same kind of social structure and me-first goals prevail. Today's economy seems to be designed for the apes in us all to thrive while our most human side goes unrewarded, sometimes unnoticed. Where apes are concerned with self-advancement, humans are fundamentally cooperative, at least within their own tribe, culture, or in-group. The difference has been attributed to a major evolutionary development that seems to have occurred about 400,000 years ago. At that point, we observe a rapid growth in brain size among our ancestors over a short period, tripling its capacity over the other great apes. And also we observe a large uptick in population. This was accompanied by the emergence of large-scale cooperative hunting and other collaborative projects specialized weapons, bringing prey back to home base, and so on. What occurred evolutionarily was the acquisition of a radically new framework for cognition, and it produced the modern human. The framework that required the larger brain size has been described as shared intentionality, the capacity of humans, even large groups of humans, to hold not only goals in common, but a common ground of knowledge, values, conventions, norms, institutions, abstract conceptualizations, 
procedures and codings, foci of attention, and so on. Most of individual cognition is at the same time collaborative social thinking, perhaps two-thirds of our thinking, given that our brains had to expand by that much in order to achieve this capacity. As uh, Tomasello puts it, human thinking is an individual improvisation enmeshed in a socio-cultural matrix. The capacity for maintaining the common ground is the great human breakthrough far beyond the capacity of the apes. This is all a mouthful, so let me give some examples. Language is the most prominent feature of a sociocultural matrix. For the listener out there to understand my words, a common language must be already part of our shared common ground. How did it get there? That is a complex story. Much of it is from hearing speech in childhood from those who already shared this common ground. Much of it was deliberately taught in schools or at home. Of course, each of us was individually endowed with a capacity for learning language, a capacity undoubtedly gained as part of this 400,000-year-old evolutionary step. It takes a lot of cooperative effort to maintain and promote a language. And once acquired, a socially maintained language provides a ready means to grow the common ground of shared information from which the individual benefits. It also provides an array of conceptualizations and thought patterns initially shared by others to use in our own individual cognition. Moreover, language breaks down if we don't already share a much richer store of information in our common ground when we use language. If I suggest, let's stay up stargazing tonight, you might reasonably reply, I need to take an early flight. How does this make sense at all? What does stargazing tonight have to do with flying in a plane tomorrow. Well, we also share in our common ground a wealth of other information, including about desirable sleep patterns and how we plan activities around them and make the necessary inferences and know the other will make these same inferences. This is the way we use language all the time. Probably 90% of the information brought to mind through speech is not communicated linguistically, but retrieved from the common ground as appropriate. Another way language breaks down is that people become uncooperative in maintaining the common ground by failing to communicate truthfully. Cooperation is the expected norm without which language will fail. Everything I'm talking about here illustrates that humans are fundamentally cooperative beings. Apes are incapable of any of this. They cannot maintain a common ground of any depth. Let me take another example, science. Famously, a scientist stands on the shoulders of those who preceded him or her. Science, 
or a particular field of science is maintained by a particular subculture that shares a common ground of specialized knowledge, theories, conceptualizations, methods, ethical norms, and so on. The efforts of the individual scientist draws on this common ground, thinks individually, but also socially, since he is improvising in a sociocultural matrix, but writes up some papers or talks to colleagues the next day and thereby adds to the common ground from which other scientists can draw. Science breaks down if scientists do not strictly follow socially agreed to and imposed standards of ethics, such as not falsifying data or withholding the results of their individual efforts. More generally, what we understand as rational thinking is a product of social cognition. Individual cognition is very erratic and emotionally driven, even for scientists. It is only through the imposition of social norms of sound reasoning that rational thinking arises as purified normal cognition, to which individuals can then choose to adhere in certain contexts. The content of the common ground differs considerably from the memory of the individual ape. For one thing, the common ground represents objective reality. In social terms, reality independent of any individual perspective, although it represents individual perspectives as well. The world of the ape is very physical, very present, very here and now and very relevant to the individual ape, though it also includes limited social awareness. Objective reality is an abstraction found in the common ground, socially maintained, of many individual perspectives necessary as a basis for cooperative action, a shared bird's-eye view in which myself becomes just another agent in a cooperative endeavor, interchangeable with other agents. Objective reality, in turn, can also be extremely abstract, often entirely symbolic, yet still considered to be real. Money is a symbolic abstraction, for instance, as is football and fictional literature. God, arguably, is another example. Basically, in social cognition, we are allowed to make up whatever we want and declare it to be real as long as we agree about it so that it provides a means of coordinating people's lives or serves some other use like entertainment. I, I declare, declare this, this land, land from, from shore, shore to shore to, to be Quizzlevanian territory. territory. That alone makes it true. As far as we know, apes don't make up reality so readily, nor believe in what they have made up. Apes are capable of some symbolic representations, but these are limited and largely iconic, such as hand gestures that look like what is being referred to. This has been an unusual talk because there has been little reference to Buddhism. The main point is that individualism is nonsense.
We are fundamentally cooperative social creatures at the deepest level, and our brains have even evolved to produce that result. We like to idolize the self-made man, the rugged individual, the pioneer, the genius who breaks all the rules, the celebrity, but we are all simply taking small steps in a vast sociocultural matrix. Next week, we will ask, as you might expect, where in all of this is the self? Thank you.